0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's
1: going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop them. Have you gotten wrong yet? Welcome into the Diamond DeValls podcast on Govalls247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by the one and only West Rucker. We have made it to Orlando, Florida. This podcast is coming to you live from right across the street from where Tennessee basketball is going to play in the NCAA tournament on Thursday night at 9 40 p.m. Eastern. And as I look at my phone, it's one Eastern on Tuesday night. Uh, Tennessee baseball has beaten Lipscomb. Uh, Wes and I were not in attendance. We we will touch on that game though before we get out of here. Uh, Patrick Brown did a great job of filling in for us and uh, still plenty of content up on the site at dot 247com for you to go check out if you missed the game yourself. But I mentioned that it is 11.02 now a.m. Eastern uh, because in two nights Tennessee will be in starting the, the second half of What may be its final game of the season, I I don't think that – They'll they'll struggle that much with Louisiana, but you don't know with this basketball team. But hey, this is the baseball baseball pod. Why am I discussing basketball in this baseball pod? I was more so just pointing out that Wes and I just made it to Orlando, uh, and we were not able to be in attendance for Tuesday night's win over Lipscomb, but we still did want to bring you a pod. Uh, And if you do want to hear basketball, we will have a podcast up on GoVols247.com at some point on Wednesday afternoon. Rick Barnes, players, Louisiana players. Uh, They are going to speak with the media here in Orlando. Uh, Tennessee is going to have practice. Louisiana is going to have practice. So at some point tomorrow evening, late afternoon, we will have a Go 247 pod up to preview the NCAA tournament. But on this pod, we're discussing baseball, as you well know. It is named the Diamond Vols podcast, after all. And before we get going here, I would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review wherever you get your pod. That would help us tremendously. And Wes, we we sure do have a ton to discuss on this pod because it's it's been a minute since we reconvened. Uh, The last time we did speak was right before Tennessee was upset by Boston College, which doesn't look as bad of a loss in hindsight because Boston College went on to win a series, I believe, on the road at Virginia Tech, which Virginia Tech was ranked number 10 in the country uh, this past weekend so a very nice road win for boston college uh, a terrific week for boston college and and should have been ranked in these, these last rankings on monday by d1baseball.com and if you listen to their pod they'll they'll say that they even probably should have ranked them this week but at some point boston college will be ranked and, and that leads me to my point and, and we'll we'll dive into the uh-oh What the heck happened there? Why did you do that portion of the game? But we're going to start with the positive, Wes, because we survived our nine-hour drive to Orlando, and we only have one choice, and that's to start with the positive and the positive that I took away from that baseball game despite it being a loss and it was very frustrating and we will touch on that and I know it was a week a week ago since that happened but again we haven't talked here on the pod about baseball about that particular game so we do need to touch on that before we talk talk about Moorhead State this past weekend talk a little bit about Tuesday night's win over Lipscomb and, and then preview Missouri before we get out of here the positive that I took away from that narrow loss to Boston College was that a, Boston College is a good baseball team. It's not like Tennessee lost to some set of scrubs that showed up to Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and they will get far more out of losing seven to six in ten innings to Boston College in a midweek game than beating Alabama A&M 20 to nothing on any given Tuesday or Wednesday. That That is going to prepare them for this upcoming weekend against Missouri and, and serve them – so well and you have to like the resiliency although it did shoot itself in the foot a ton you have to love the resiliency of Tennessee Uh, it was kind of death by a thousand cuts in in that game I I believe Boston College scored a single run in seven of the nine innings and that's how they beat Tennessee but in those later innings Tennessee responded in the bottom of the eighth in the bottom of the ninth Uh, we're not able to respond in the bottom of the tenth but They're going to benefit from playing a legitimate midweek competitor instead of a no-name scrub team. And, again, I think that the resiliency, I think that's a good sign of things to come because you're going to face a lot of adversity and you're going to have to be resilient in conference play.
0: Yeah, Ben, I don't get too fussed over midweek games, generally speaking. I mean, if you start a trend where – all of a sudden you're losing several of them during the course of a year, Th- then okay, maybe then you can talk about focuses. Is, is it where it needs to be? Is is uh, you know, the, the quality depth of the pitching what it needs to be? Th- there's all sorts of things if you start to lose a bunch of those. Um, but every college baseball team I can basically ever remember seeing in my life has dropped a couple midweek games. And, and Boston College is an opponent that didn't have a great year in the ACC last year, brought in some transfers – and, and I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. I, I was I was more impressed with Boston College than I was down on Tennessee in that game. However, you can't ignore the fact that Tennessee lost about three or four chances to win that game. And I'm sure we will discuss base rushing, base, rushing, base running later um, because we need to talk about it because it was bad. It's been bad. It's something that's got to get cleaned up. Um, but I think – I love playing some power five teams during the midweek and I've wondered all the time, right? Clemson, not far down the road, you know, there's a, all those North Carolina schools, not far down the road. You could play a couple of these during the year. And I think it would help you see like, for instance, you know, can someone like a Xander Seacrest go out there and get some of those teams out uh, there, there's things that might help you later in the year if you apply them or give them a chance in those games. I, I don't, I don't think the result, uh, while frustrating, is that big of a deal. Uh, I really like the way Tennessee fought back time and time again in that game because even though once those games get started, you want to win a game because you want to win every game you play – there are still things like you're taking some starters out of the game at certain times you're 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 getting different guys in for different spots you're trying different things that you wouldn't normally do probably during a weekend game especially against an SEC team so you're trying different things in those games so so it's kind of you're walking a tight rope there of trying to make sure that you're you're doing what you need to do to try to win games because you want to be competitive and win but you also need to do a lot of other things it get some you know Johnny Allstaff pitching performances out there you need to get some guys some innings you need to get some guys some at bats if you've got a couple of positions where you're not sure exactly who your starter is well give one of them four or five innings give the other one four or five innings give them a couple of bats see how they handle live action there's all sorts of things get a get a guy who's in a slump get him going there's all sorts of things you can do with these games i think the problem i had and if you read the column that i wrote after the game And you're listening out there, you're saying, Wes, you're being a whole lot more positive right now than you are from that, that, that column. I, I will say, I don't think those two things are all, I think they're two different things is what I'm trying to say. I think the negative, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a second, is a very real problem that has very real consequences for this team if it doesn't get nipped in the bud. On the other hand, uh, if it had been something random that lost the game, like something you don't normally see, uh, that I wouldn't be bothered that by that that much. The, the problem to me was that it was something that we've seen time and time again, and, and that's the issue. But overall, I thought more than anything – it was a damn fun baseball game. It was a really, really fun baseball game. Uh, Vetrano from Boston College hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen at, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And I'm going back to like, you know, mid-90s Todd Helton with the drop five uh, bats, those East and Black Magics that had like a circumference of the sun, the diameter of the sun. Uh, there were hotter bats than they're using now. So point is it was a fun game. I like playing midweek power five games or power six games. I think there are some things we need to talk about and we're about to, but I don't think it was the end of the world.
1: No, it, it was not. And I, again, I, I it's, it's very weird. I, I walk away equally optimistic about the game as I do frustrated if I'm a Tennessee fan. You're you know, on one hand, Boston College is a legitimate opponent, and that is going to to serve them well. And I said in the midst of, of that game in, in those later innings that playing that game, it's not even it'll help them against Vandy in Arkansas and some of the premier teams in the SEC. It's going to help them this weekend against a scrappy Missouri team that, if we're being honest, that Missouri team has done more – against a better schedule than this Tennessee team has. And, and and
0: and the best three teams Tennessee has played, it has lost to, which is a concern.
1: Yes, and, and they are 0-2 at the moment against Power 5 uh, opponents, losing to Arizona, losing to Boston College. Uh, the third loss that Wes is referencing is the, the Grand Canyon game. Now, I, I do think there are some better opponents on the schedule than – maybe folks realize like i i think i agree with what tony vitello said after the gonzaga series or after night one of the gonzaga series like their record may not show it but that team's gonna the the record is gonna even out with with that gonzaga baseball team uh moorhead state i think they are going to be one of their better teams and in, in their conference I, I believe they were picked to win uh their conference coming into the season and they they showed quite a bit of guts on Saturday and we'll, we'll get to that so it's a weird feeling like you walk away optimistic because you know Boston College is good and Tennessee went toe-to-toe with one of the 25 best teams in the country it felt like a regional game which is weird to say for a Tuesday game in, in early March but uh, I, I truly believe that it'll end up helping Tennessee in the long run and again as I was saying not just against the elite teams in the sec but even this weekend against teams like missouri which missouri appears to be better than they have been in in recent years and and it it also kind of coincides with the negative aspect of things and and why you do feel good about this team moving forward or or you view that game as helping tennessee in in the in the long run obviously because it went toe to toe and and it did make plays Uh, i i thought kind of before we dive into the shooting yourself in the foot portion of the game, I was concerned uh, by Seth Halverson, giving up two walks and two runs and three hits. He, he was a little uh, sporadic, uh, and, and there was a tight zone, as Wes is is saying uh, across the hotel room from me. Uh, there was a tight zone, but that still, he, he seemed uh, to not have the typical control that he has shown early in the season. Uh, Andrew Lindsey, uh, he gave up a walk but did have three strikeouts, uh, some of your, your key guys, Zach Joyce gave up a run on a hit. He gave up the solo home run late, uh, I believe, after Tennessee took the lead or Tennessee had just tied it, one of the two. I think it was that was in the top of the eighth, or maybe it was the top of the ninth. I think it was the top of the ninth. Tennessee had just tied it in the bottom of the eighth, and then uh, Joyce gives up a, a solo home run. And, and to that point, I think he was like five for five entering the game for, for strikeouts, or, or he had not allowed a hit or something along those lines, Joyce had been really good. So you had some of your key bullpen arms. Be kind of shaky. That was AJ Russell's welcome to college baseball moment. Uh, Xander started and was fine. Gave up one run in three innings. He faced eleven batters, and then AJ Russell, the freshman who has a very, very, very bright future for Tennessee, uh, he pitched one point one innings and and gave up uh, two runs on two hits. One was earned. He did give up a walk, uh, so he wasn't as crisp as we've seen him to, to start his career. So that was a little concerning. Aside from the shoot yourself in the foot moments that we're about to discuss. that was kind of the, the one negative takeaway I had uh, was the the pitching staff mostly the bullpen that was as good as anybody in the country leading up to that game it, it was a little shaky uh, but since then uh, we have seen Halverson bounce back he had a big save over the weekend and, and when I say big m- more in terms of length I, I think it was a three or four inning save uh, on Saturday in the doubleheader uh, against Morehead State we've seen Zach Joyce bounce back although he was a little bit shaky against Lipscomb uh, on Tuesday night we've Seen Andrew Lindsey bounce back. He was really good against Moorhead State, Uh, and I believe I did not get to watch AJ Russell when he pitched because we've been traveling for basketball. As uh, the NCAA tournament is here and as basketball season comes to an end, I believe he was a. a, I believe he had a nice bounce back, or maybe a little bit shaky. Um, But the shooting yourself in the foot moments—that that was kind of the talking point coming out of that baseball game, and and you had three just glaring mistakes and. We'll knock out the the first two, which haven't really been a consistent issue with the baseball team, Uh, and that is the miscommunication in the outfield between Christian Moore at second, Griffin Merritt in right field, Christian Scott in center field. That just can't happen. Uh, I think you can kind of blame each guy for different reasons in that scenario. Uh, Christian Moore was a little demonstrative in calling everybody off, and... He, he, I think he needs to recognize that that's an outfielder's ball but then on the flip side of that Griffin Merritt and Christian Scott need to be as demonstrative in calling off Christian Moore. They need to help the teammate out. And Christian Moore and Griffin Merritt have met with the media since that moment took place and both took blame for the mistake. Moore met with the media after that game and said, hey, that's my fault. I've, I've got to be better. Griffin Merritt talked on Saturday and said, no, that was my fault. I need to be better. And personally, I would like to see the center fielder. I, obviously Christian Scott was the center fielder. I don't care if it's Jared Dickey out there, Kyle Booker, Dylan Dryling. The the center fielder is the shortstop of the outfield of the outfield. They, they are the they are the captain. They they are the field general. I I thought in that moment the center fielder could have taken more charge and and come and and got that baseball rather than Dylan, or not Dylan Dryling but Griffin Merritt and and Christian Moore having a miscommunication. So that's that. You don't really see that a whole lot with this team, but that was one of the issues in that game. Uh, And then the other one that we haven't really seen a ton from this Tennessee team is a missed sign. There's an opportunity late in the game uh, with Cal Stark at third. I forget who was bunting. Do you remember off the top of your head? Yes, it was Merritt bunting, laid, or it was Stark that laid the bunt. It was Merritt on third. I'm sorry. Um, it was Merritt on third, and somebody didn't get the right sign. Uh, second and third, less than two outs. Uh, Cal Stark laid down a beautiful, at least what appeared to be a squeeze bunt, and somebody did not get a sign. Yeah, Somebody did not get a sign. I, I don't know if it was Cal Stark or Griffin Merritt. I believe it was Griffin Merritt that did not get the sign and realized that a squeeze bunt was on. And it was a beautiful bunt. Would have scored him if he had taken off on the bunt, and he just did not take off for whatever reason. And, and again, that's kind of something we haven't seen a ton from this Tennessee team in terms of the missed signs. But the glaring one was the the base running. You you, you kind of have a a guy on third, less than two outs, uh, and it was Dylan Dryling, a freshman out there. No, it wasn't Dylan Dryling. Ethan Payne. It was Ethan Payne. Thank you. It was Ethan Payne. It was after the Blake Burke triple uh, that he kind of got lucky on stretching that double into... Also a mistake. Also a a mistake. Yes. Yes, Wes is right. And again, I apologize for the hesitation in my voice. That was a week ago. I've covered an SEC tournament, covered Moorhead State, drove nine hours to Orlando. So please show me some grace in in my hesitation on, on recalling the plays off the top of my head. Um, But you had Ethan Payne there in that moment, and he kind of froze. Jared Dickey up at the plate. You had five infielders in, could have won you the game in in the bottom of the ninth after Christian Moore leads off the inning with a a solo home run into the bullpen, over the bullpen to tie the game. Then Blake Burke steps up, hits an absolute piss missile at the first baseman that ricochets off the first baseman. He easily gets the second, and I do agree with Wes that probably not the smartest decision to, to stretch that into a triple, and he was originally called out, and it had to be reviewed. And after review, he was called safe. Uh, and, and I thought Tony Vitello made the right move and pinch running for, for uh, Blake Burke in that moment with Ethan Payne because less than you had no outs, heart of your lineup coming up, winning run on third. Surely you can drive him in, win the game. You're not going to need Blake Burke's bat uh, again but Ethan Payne in the game uh, eventually Jared Dickey comes up with five infielders in they're trying to cut off the runner at the plate and, and he kind of loops somewhat of a fly ball out to left field and Ethan Payne did not immediately go back to tag up he he went forward uh, as if it was on the ground because they are taught went on third in less than two outs to run on contact no matter what So he takes off on contact no matter what when, in reality, it's a fly ball. He's late getting back to the bag, and he should have stayed after he made the mistake of not going back to the bag. He just should have stayed at third and not tried to tag up. But he tries to tag up. He's thrown out at the plate. And that's kind of been the the continuous issue with this team that is more glaring this year than last year because you don't have the offense yet to make up for those base running mistakes against Moorhead State. There were two Blake Burke- Rounds first too hard, gets caught in a pickle. Christian Moore gets thrown out at the plate against Moorhead State. Uh, Dylan Dryling, kind of a weird situation with another pickle. Him, Jared Dickey, a couple of guys involved, didn't know where to go on a particular base. Dylan Dryling had a little freshman moment, gets thrown out. So even the base, the base running issues continue to be a theme. Wes and I were listening to the great John Wilkerson, uh, coming down to Orlando today and in the first inning, there was another base running mistake as well to, to where I believe Maui Ahuna was, was picked off. Uh, so it's just it's just these continuous base running issues continue to be a real problem for this team. And, and if they don't f- correct it, it will bite them in the butt. SEC play will slap them right in the face. They will get punched by Mike Tyson if they don't fix these mistakes.
0: There was another couple, actually. There was one. Other one in that game against Boston College where Griffin Merritt was on second, there was a ball that you could see pretty clearly I think off the bat was going to be a base hit. Now, you're taught in that situation, make sure you know where the ball is. Don't just go forward. So, But I don't think Merritt could find the ball. I think he was looking to the wrong part of the field basically. And by doing that, he had to slow down enough where I think he scores standing up if he makes a better read on it and he ends up being stuck at third, and then Tennessee doesn't get him in, and that's another chance uh, to go ahead and go ahead and win the ball game. That was not taken advantage of. Also against Moorhead State, there was a play where there was a fly ball to center field, not even straight away center field, a little bit in, and uh, Charlie Taylor, who is maybe the greatest baseball player who ever lived, decides that he's going to go try to tag from second to third and gets thrown out by about uh, a mile and a half. And for a guy as smart as Chuck Taylor who knows the game as well as he does, he doesn't need to be doing that. And, and there are there are things that you know last season and I think Vitello, to his credit understands this and he said this. Tennessee lived a pretty blessed life there for a while for for most of last year. They were just beating the hell out of everybody. And when they're when you're doing things like that, you get into a situation where those little things that where they were run into outs it seemed like once a week or so, and they would sort of torpedo innings and you would go, "Nah, that's annoying, but it's not the end of the world because you're winning most games by several runs." This team might end up doing that. I don't think it's going to be like that nearly as often. Those little decisions are are can be just game killers. That I mean, you 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 do you had 3 times. 3 times. In that Boston College game, that they just wrecked themselves with bad base running, or in one case, maybe a missed signal. We'll see. They, they, Vitello, I think, was protecting his guys and he wouldn't say who it was, but you know, he was trying to be nice. Somebody missed a sign there, clearly. Either that or Merrick got the sign, but did not think he could score. Where if you're calling a safety squeeze like that and the bunt gets on the ground, you're gone. Like, you need to go. And if the bunt gets caught by the pitcher, you know what? That's baseball. That's not your fault. The guy needs to get the bunt down. Uh, There are things what they do. They make decisions. I think there's a difference between aggressive base running and aggressive offense and reckless base running and reckless offense. I love. I mean, I said this for a long time. I come from a baseball family. My dad's a baseball coach. It, it, the te- the teaching was always make the guy make a play if it's close make the guy make a play you know cuz they they have to you know if you're coming from the outfield you got to make three plays, right? You got to make a good throw to the cutoff man. Cutoff man's got to catch it. Cutoff man's got to make a good throw. Catcher's got to catch it and tag you. That's a lot of moving parts and if one of them breaks down, it's an easy run. So I understand the concept. Now, as you advance through the baseball ranks, there's things in high school that you couldn't get away with in Little League. There's things in college that you can't get away with in in high school. And there's things in the pros you cannot get away with, you know, that you can get away with in college. So, So there are different things I think they need to be a little more selective with their approach. And I say that even though the bottom third of the lineup is a little bit more, I don't want to say, it's untested. I think it could be pretty good. Um, And maybe average is a good word, but I think with with Dryling and Tears and some of those other guys, it might not be that way for long. Uh, The potential is very much there. But they have the sticks in this lineup to do damage the old-fashioned way. They can do that. They can they can just do a little country hardball and ride that ball out of the park. Do not end innings in situations like that when you have the heart of your lineup coming up. When in doubt, bro. Hang right there, Blake Burke or Zane Denton or, or somebody's going to drive you in probably. And if not, huh? That's not your fault. I'm not saying there's never chances where you should go ahead and try. I think Christian Moore uh, scored on a double from first base, and it was a relatively close play in the game against Lipscomb, and he made it. But that's, uh, you know, sometimes if you get thrown out like that, hey man, that's that's baseball. Even when Blake Burke's trying to take third base, there, it took a perfect throw to even get close to getting him. But that didn't mean that it was okay to go there there's a reading of the game and an understanding of the game. I love how aggressive these guys are with their mentality. I think they need to be careful on the bases because at a certain point, I don't think you're saying we don't have the sticks, but you're almost subtly sending that message in some of these situations. Like you you there's ways to play the game and I love the the aggressiveness. I think they need to hone it in a little bit, harness it a little bit. Because they they cannot afford, if they run the bases like they did last season, they probably will not get to Omaha. Whereas if they run bases the correct way and they do little things the correct way, they could win a national championship. I think it could be the difference in that much. I'm not worried really, before I hand you the, the microphone back, Ben, I'm not worried as much about the pitching in that game. Listen, the wind was blowing out at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. They didn't walk too many guys. I think maybe walked three guys in the game. Uh, gave up a couple of home runs obviously um, that's going to happen in that park I don't think it's the end of the world I think that's baseball uh, if you look at all the guys in that game who gave up earned runs their ERAs were still like under three every single one of them they're good pitchers that's baseball to me it's just the the frustrating things on the bases that they just absolutely have got to stop doing um, because it, it could be the difference in a good season and, a, and an average one
1: you're absolutely right, and I I completely agree with you. Uh, as much as that pains me to to say, um, the it's to to make it a big picture conversation. It's it's the the details that that need to be ironed out, and the the biggest small detail that is not clicking for them is the base running. That that is the biggest issue, but they they can't keep it up. They they just can't because again, SEC play. These SEC teams will eat them alive if they continue to make the mistakes that they do. Base running is the biggest issue, but it's just the the consistent theme of not handling the small details, which entails base running and you know communicating on fly balls. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I forget which game it was, but there was an instance in in which there was a miscommunication down. In foul territory, down the left field line, in which there's a miscommunication and, and the ball dropped, and I believe there's an RBI single on the next play. It's it's just the the little things: picking up signs, base running, communication. They're middle school level errors. That that's what's so disappointing. And, and it is baseball. Baseball is a game of failure. Those type of mistakes are going to happen from time to time. But the at the end of the day, not communicating. That's what you're taught in little league. In middle school, when, when you're getting into baseball, you're, you're taught the shortstop has most seniority, so to speak, within the infield. They they have rank above all else. the The, the center fielder has rank above all else, and it's. it's dryling at third base on base running too. That, that's another one. Too. Yes, that the dryling base running mistake was was a middle school level error. Uh, a, as well and, and they're all mental errors which is uh, disappointing and uh, you that was as pissed off as I've seen Tony Vitello after a loss as I've seen him since like his first season uh, when, when he was losing to, to midweek games losing midweek games to in-state competition but he was losing those games because he lacked talent and, and that's why he was pissed off he wanted to hurry up and get to where he is now and, and that frustrated him but that that again. That was as pissed off as I've seen him, and it was because of the mental mistakes. And I I agree. I love that they are aggressive, but I think with the base running, I I do think it's more of of, of a philosophy issue than an execution issue. And I think they need to to rein it in because I do think they're reckless at times. I I do. I I. I absolutely think that they're reckless at times and they run themselves out of innings. I think that the philosophy is why Ethan Payne was thrown out at the plate. I think because he is taught to, to take off from third on contact no matter the situation. You can't do that. You, you can't take off on any, any ball in play. You have, you have to see the ball through the infield. In some situations, you you just do. There are instances where, yes, you take off on contact no matter what. But there are other instances, like if you have a runner on third and no outs, you see the ball through the infield before you take off because if it's hit right to the third baseman, you have zero outs. Why Why would you – I mean, technically, you still have somebody coming up with one out and somebody coming up with two outs. Why would you just eliminate the whole inning and the potential game-winning run by taking off with with no outs? So I I believe that that kind of froze Ethan Payne mentally. That's just my opinion, my assessment, uh, is, is that the philosophy of man on third, less than two outs, running on contact no matter what, I I do not agree with that personally because I do think there are instances in which you need to see the ball through, as I just described. I think that kind of froze Ethan Payne in that moment as well because he immediately took off on contact and realized, oh, crap, the ball's in the air. I I think that kind of messed with him. So I I do think they are a bit reckless at times. And if they they don't hone it in, if they don't adjust, then it will be the difference in finishing – first and second in the SEC East. It will be the difference, and potentially, I don't think they're going to fall this far, but for the sake of an example, it could be the difference between hosting a regional or not hosting a regional. It could be the difference in between finishing 8th and ninth in the country and hosting a super regional and not hosting a super regional. It could be the difference between going to Omaha, or not it could be the difference between winning in Omaha or not as as Wes said so they, they do need to to reel that in uh, and the other thing I was going to mention before we hit a commercial break real quick is and, and this might be the most concerning thing as much as we've gone on about the base running and, and the mental mistakes uh, Tony Vitello said after the game that he did, did not at all like the fact that Boston College had more grit and determination and I, I do believe that Tennessee's coaching staff believes that maybe they needed a kick in the butt. Maybe they, they needed more toughness instilled into them. I, I do believe that is a thing. Um, but ultimately, I, I think going through games like Boston College will help instill that grit and toughness because they're not Trey Lipscomb. They're not Drew Gilbert. They're not Jordan Beck. Because you show up to the ball field in a Tennessee uniform doesn't mean that you're automatically going to win the game. This core group of guys, they haven't accomplished anything. They haven't. Evan Russell and Luke Lipsius, Redman Walsh, those guys have accomplished what this program has has done to this point. So I felt like that, that Tuesday win against Boston College was, was a good kick in the butt. But moving forward, getting into SEC play this weekend, I promise you if they make those same mental mistakes against Boston College – and I'm stating the obvious, but it's, it has to be stated because that's how big of an issue it it has been to this point. If they make those mental mistakes, they'll lose that series in Missouri this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think really quickly, I, you know, I've always said that I give benefit of the doubt to coaches on what they feel like their team is mentally or, or whether their team is playing hard enough because they know those guys better than any of us could they know better than people watching on tv and fans they know better than those of us uh, who cover them and and though we can get close to the dugout we're not in the clubhouse during the game obviously we're, we're not near the locker room or, or near the near the the dugout i i still have a hard time thinking grit is a problem on a night when you erase three deficits late in the game and come back and tie it three times. I don't think that's a grit issue because you could have quit. It was cold as hell out there. They could have wanted to go home uh, three times down. But I, I, I think um, I understand why if if Tony is saying that because he feels like he just wants to kind of spur this team on a little bit, I got no issue with that. The The issue that I have is I, I, I don't know – that grit was necessarily an issue in that game. I think execution was.
1: Well, I think Tony's point was that Boston College had more grit. Yeah, they did come back, and we talked about that off off the, off the bat, but I think Tony's issue was that Boston College showed more grit and determination because they came back one more time than his team did. And how many times have we seen a Tony Vitello team kind of have that happen to them? I think that was more his point.
0: And it might be, and I think if he's trying to send a message, and I think this is the last thing I'll say before break, Ben, is that I think what we've seen here the past couple years, as the profile of this baseball program rises and and as the the target on their back gets a little bigger – Um, This is still, you know, you you, you go to Omaha, then you go through and do what they did last year and just just run roughshod over all of college baseball for the season and, and do it the way you do, having the fun you're having, you know, kind of pointing at people, doing some other stuff occasionally. You are a target, you've made yourself a target, and whether or not it's fair, you are the villains. And people are going to bring their A-game against you every single day. Because not only do they want to beat you, they want to beat you and embarrass you because that's just who you are as a program now. And so I, I think that's, if he's trying to spur them on in that way, i got no problem with that.
1: For sure, and boy, does it feel weird to have a negative conversation about this Tennessee baseball team because we have not had one of those in two years, three years. <laughs> it's It's been a minute, but ultimately I do think this game against Boston College will will serve Tennessee well, and you've already seen Tennessee win four straight against four quality opponents since. So, uh, we do need to discuss those games. We do need to preview SEC play beginning this weekend, and we will do so after this break on the do- Diamond Vols podcast on Govols247.com. Marley! now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck,
0: explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Go to Paramount+, to try it free. Terms apply.
1: Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast. Key Wes Rucker here discussing two weeks of baseball that we needed to discuss. Tennessee begins conference play this weekend. And before we discuss what we would like to see from Tennessee as they make their SEC play debut this weekend in a frigid Columbia, Missouri, uh, we would request ask politely if you would go like, rate, and review the pod. It would really, really help us. Wherever you get your pod, just if you could like, rate, and review. Again, that would really, really help us. West Rucker, since Tennessee lost to Boston College, it has been all positive for Tennessee this past weekend. You and I, I guess more so last week than the weekend, um, but SEC tournament going on, we were not at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Friday, when Tennessee beat the living mess out of Moorhead State 23-4, uh, a record-tying seven home runs <laughs> against Moorhead State. Uh, Zane Denton hits for the fifth cycle in Tennessee baseball history, and how cool is it that in back-to-back seasons, Tennessee uh, has hit for the cycle. Yeah, and, and both the third baseman Trey Lipscomb, did it last year on February 25th. Uh, and oddly enough, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by this. Chris Burke, one of the all-time greats to play baseball at Tennessee – he was the first to do so in 2001. I'm surprised the the program's first cycle came in 2001, and then there wasn't another one until Matt Duffy, who spent some time in the big leagues. Don't believe he's in the big leagues anymore, but he did so in 2011. And then the last couple of years, we've had some. I remember Jordan Rogers having one on April 1st again in uh, 2016. I want to say I can't remember who it was uh, off the top of my head, but I remember covering that game uh, as a student journalist. Fun enough uh and then back-to-back years Zane Denton and Trey Lipscomb so uh, a good piece uh, of history there but Maui Ahuna, Jared Dickey, Kavaris Tears they also had big nights uh, all three hit home runs while tallying multiple hits in RBIs uh Dylan Dryling and Christian Scott both hit their first home runs of the season and Dryling has now hit three he hit one on that Friday night game uh I believe he hit one during the doubleheader, um, but he hit two against Moorhead State over the weekend uh, and then hit one tonight against Lipscomb as well. So the the bats are, are starting to come around. Maui Ahuna is heating up. He hit another home run. He hit three against Moorhead State, if I'm not mistaken, and then hit his fourth of the season uh, against Lipscomb tonight. So he's starting to heat up. You're, you're seeing Kavar's tears really start to come on. You're, you're seeing Dylan Dryling. Come on, and I think that's been the the biggest positives since that Boston College game, um, in the emphatic 23-4 win on Friday night against Moorhead State. Uh, they sweep the doubleheader, uh, and then they come back and they beat Lipscomb 10-0 nothing in nine innings tonight. And uh, you tweeted this out, and and I agree with you. I was I was expecting more of a baseball game uh, against Lipscomb. I thought that was going to be a difficult challenge. No Blake Burke. Uh, because he is uh, a little bit under the weather he was dressed he was available if need be but uh, again under the weather so no need to freak out there and and something else I wanted to mention earlier about that Boston College game and and you somewhat mentioned it in passing Tennessee wasn't throwing Chase Dolander or Drew Beam or Chase Burns so let's remember in the freak out of that loss like Tennessee was was pitching Johnny Holstaff, which means that they're, they're pitching a bunch of guys to, to get a bunch of guys work. So is Boston College scoring six runs against Chase Dolander? Maybe I, th- I think they have a good lineup, but I highly doubt it. the The odds are not in in Boston College's favor, and and they're really not in Boston College's favor to score six runs. And I realize they did it over ten innings, and and Beam Burns Dolander aren't pitching 10, 10 innings in an outing. But again, the odds in 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 their favor of scoring that many runs with with those guys on the bump or are few and far between uh, so take that into consideration when when losing to Boston College but that's also part of the reason that that I thought Lipscomb may give Tennessee more trouble uh, is a Tennessee's not pitching its premier pitchers uh, at least starting the game. Uh, B, no Blake Burke, and, and he has been quite a bit of the offense to, to start the season. And, and C, Lipscomb's, they, they've they looked good against some legitimate competition. Yeah, beat Notre Dame in a series. They've played close competition against uh, Mississippi State, uh, close, close games against legitimate power five competition. Auburn, Auburn yes, and, and they have uh, some some upcoming games against Arkansas Vandy Louisville uh, which should be interesting as well I, I was a, a little bit surprised that Tennessee won as emphatically as they did and, and listening to the game listening to the goat John Wilkerson Lipscomb did have their chances they, they had several guys on base seemingly every inning uh, until late in the game so it's not like they didn't have their chances to, to drive in runs Either, But getting back to, to kind of my main takeaway from these last couple of games, and, and I believe I mentioned this on the last podcast we did after the first week or two of, of the season, if, if Dylan Dryling and Kavars Tears, if, if they can have any type of impact, any type of positive impact and, and be a real weapon in this lineup, it just elevates this lineup so, so much going into conference play.
0: Yeah, I wonder, Ben, if – I know that um, the, that I think Vitello said he just had a feeling he watched, you know, Tears practice and then take BP, you know, on Friday, and he decided to, to put him in there. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that's probably true. I also can't help but think that even though Booker had started to get going a little bit, he, he struck out a couple times against Boston College, didn't have a great night, and then Tennessee lost the game. And I wonder if Vitello was just kind of sending a message by putting a couple of those freshmen out there. Not not to Kyle Booker, um, but to just everybody on the team that, hey, listen, I'm, I, w- I want to win. And if these young dogs are c- going to come in here and give us some swings, let's go ahead and roll with that. So I, I don't think that he – and I don't know that he intentionally meant it like that. Um, because I think Tennessee, after losing a game, was always going to come out and play a lot better in the next game. I didn't think it would be twenty-three to four, but I thought Tennessee would would be focused and ready to play in that in that series after what happened against Boston College. But I, I think it's interesting to me that that Tears is a kid who has put up absolutely stupid exit velocity numbers since he rolled onto campus last year, uh, and they made what I think was a good decision to redshirt him because if you're only going to get him 20 at-bats in a season, what's the point of him playing in a season? You're not going to get him a lot at-bats because what are you going to – you're going to not play Lipsius or at first or you're not going to give Blake Burke some of those at-bats at first base. Are you going to put him in a DH over Seth Stevenson? Are you Are going to play him in the outfield over Beck or Gilbert? or You know what I mean? Like it's – or, or Dicky, Like it's hard to kind of – it was hard to get him in the mix last season, so I understood that. But this season – Uh, it's kind of like he's just been unleashed. It's like a kid who's been waiting his time, a kid from the state of Tennessee who's got a lot of talent, a big, big thumping bat from the left side. uh, And it looked like when he was ready to go, man, he hit everything in sight and he hit it hard. And he did that throughout the weekend, too. And, and Dryling's a kid who, I, you know, we, he and Stanwich are obviously two of the big prizes in that recruiting class. And Stanwich, not with the program right now. Um, but you just sort of knew those kids were top-tier talents. And Chapman, too. Chapman, actually, yeah, he's the third one. That's a good addition there, Ben. I, I think you just kind of – you heard pretty early that these freshman outfielders, these kids can play. Let's just see how long it takes to click. And with Dryling – obviously there are issues on the base pass that needs to get sorted out obviously there's a couple things defensively uh if it's just catch ball see ball go get ball that's fine but it it is but but there's that stuff and I think he can do some of that stuff I think it's some of the decision making understanding the situation there's just some things that they're they're trying to get that that bull contained in a cage a little bit um but tears and dryling You wish maybe one of them was right-handed to kind of balance the lineup a little bit because, my God, they've got a a lot of left-handed bats. Um, But these kids, if they're going to be the ones to kind of help out the bottom part of the lineup, if they're going to be the ones to kind of take this thing back to, you know, having a kid like Tears hitting in the eighth hole in the lineup or having a kid like Dryling hitting in the eighth hole in the lineup, that sounds like Tennessee's offense last year. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: No, it definitely does, and I I know fans have wanted to see Dylan Dryling more because every time he hits the ball, it is an absolute piss missile off of his bat and Kavar's tears too. And I, I, and I don't think Tony was, was trying to like find reasons not to play KT. I just think there, although there may not be like three obvious guys like you've had in the past, like you knew drew Gilbert, you knew Jordan Beck. And and then like, we'll, we'll go back to Evan Russell playing left field. Like you knew Evan Russell was out there. They may not have that type of situation. You know about Griffin Merritt, you know about Jared Dickey. And then there's kind of a bunch of guys vying for that third spot. So I, I don't think it was something that like KT did that Tony was looking for a reason not to play. I just think it was more just a, a numbers crunch as to why he hasn't gotten as many opportunities as fans have wanted him to. And I know dryling fits that same bill, especially when you see him come to the plate and everything he touches is just a, a laser off the wall. I can assure you the training wheels have been taken off.
0: Yeah, there's, it reminds me a little bit, and I'm not saying they're similar players, uh, and it's obviously different sports, but there were times during the basketball season that, that we're covering now where Rick Barnes has said several times throughout the season that he would go back and look at box scores and watch games and be like, why did I not, why did I not give Jemai Meshek a few more minutes? Why am I not getting Jamai Meshek out there? I, I think Vitello started to kind of reach that point with some of these kids, and it didn't take that long, uh, as long as it did maybe with Mayshack, to be like, okay, wait, let's hold on, let, let's let's get him out here now. Um, because necessity, some other invention. They needed Mayshack to go out there and play late in the season, more minutes. Um, but I think it's interesting because I do think if you have something like an established everyday nine, I think that helps communication on the field. I think that helps a lot of things. And until they get that thing sorted, and I don't know that they're going to get it sorted anytime soon, um, at least in the meantime, I think moving Merritt to left field, that's where he's more comfortable. That's where he's played more than he's played in right field. I don't know if that fly ball in the Bermuda Bermuda Triangle uh, was the one that that caused that to happen. But regardless, he's more comfortable in left field and it is looking like it. I think they're still trying to figure out exactly which of those kids it's going to be out there. And, And I'll still say this. I am not backing off the train on Kyle Booker. I think he's a good baseball player. I've always said he's a good baseball player. And if I am the last one standing on that hill, I will be the last one standing on that hill. That kid has every tool imaginable to be a very good baseball player. I hope he puts it together. I really do. Um, But right now, if kids like Dryling and Tears are smoking everything off the bat, then you have to play those guys. You you just do. And, And again, it's... Unfortunate because a lot of teams are like, man, if only we had one or two more left handed bats. Tennessee's like, we need a couple right handed bats because when Ahuna came into the fold, that was just another left handed bat. And they're having to figure this out kind of where they put guys in the lineup. Uh, And a lot of these guys are guys that you can't not play. So I think it's good. I think they're starting to figure out a little bit more about who they are, what they're going to be. And I think kids like Tears and Dryling. They're probably going to have some mistakes. They're probably going to have an SEC play. Uh, they may even have a golden sombrero somewhere along the mix. It might happen in SEC play. Those are some future pros you're facing every day pretty much, or at least Friday and Saturday, throughout the the SEC play. So I, I think it's good. I think it's good to get youthful. I think it's good to give these kids a chance. And if they're going to keep hitting it like this, mm, they may not come out.
1: No, the, they, they won't. And I think that's why you've seen Jared Dickey – out in center the the last couple of games uh, as well I know Jared in center field was a surprise to many to start the season he's not a bad option in center field I I I can assure you he's not a bad option Tony Vitello is not going to put somebody out there that he doesn't think that can make the routine play is Jared going to go chase down uh, a ball, a home run at the wall or or deep in the gap like Jim Edmonds? Probably not. He's probably not going to do that. But I, I do believe that Jared is sneaky athletic. I think he's sneaky quick. And, and he, he just looks weird doing it, but he gets there. <laughs> he, he makes the routine play more often than he does not. And w- with the bats kyle's booker's gotten off to a slow start to the season christian scott's slow start to the season uh then you have some freshmen in the mix because of of that situation with the bats i think that's why you've seen jared dickey out there in center because i think griffin Merritt is is more of a natural in left field uh kavar's tears can play center uh, I, I do think Dylan Dryling, as a sophomore, as a junior, if he's here as a senior, will be a center fielder, but he's not quite ready just yet, which is why you've seen Dickey in center and and Dryling and DH the last couple of, of games. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Tennessee does have plenty of options. Uh, I know it's been compared to Tennessee's cornerback's room in the past, uh, just in the sense of, and I believe West made this comparison, and he's right. When uh, he has, uh, you look at the outfield, and, and there's plenty of of guys out there. There's plenty of numbers out there, like Tennessee's cornerback room. But I do think it's it's much different in the sense of Tennessee's corners kind of lack talent, or and I shouldn't even just say corners, but Tennessee's defensive backs room lacks. It has a bunch of guys. Actually, lacks talent I don't think that this outfield lacks talent whatsoever Uh, I think it actually has quite a bit of talent that is unproven and inexperienced and I I think a name that we haven't talked about a ton is Reese Chapman Uh, I'm I'm a little surprised honestly that he hasn't received as many opportunities to to this point in the season Uh, I I don't think he's somebody to to completely uh, uh, eliminate uh, either I, I could see him kind of middle of SEC play, getting opportunity, making the most of it, kind of like how Booker did uh, as a freshman coming back after that COVID season in 2021. The team that went... Cops, not a lot of no, not a lot of people beat up on Kevin Cops, and and he was really good in those pinch hit situations. He's just a kid with a ton of talent. Tennessee was really thankful and relieved that they made it to, to campus. Uh, they, they actually believe that uh, the Major League scouts, teams, organizations, uh miss scouted him in high school. But they
0: scouted Blake Burke too by a
1: lot. Yes, they, they 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 certainly did. But they think Chapman is one of those guys that that should have been drafted and was worthy of money that UC teams throw out. And Wes talked about this from from the moment Alex Stanwich and Reese Chapman and, and those were the two main outfielders that stepped on Dylan Dryling was like the the third Not like too distant. He was like a top three hundred recruit, depending on what service you looked at. But kind of like the stepchild. That's what Dylan Dryling was. So it's funny that he's had the earliest impact, and it tends to work out that way more (laughs) more often than not. But like Chapman was a dude, an absolute dude in in Colorado. And like, but the point that I was getting to the moment those three freshman outfitters stepped foot on campus, it was like, bro, this dude is hitting them off the scoreboard, over the scoreboard. The, the exit velos are, are through the roof. So Reese Chapman, it, it may not happen this year like it has for Dylan Dryling, but Reese Chapman's a, a future professional baseball player, w- without a doubt, and, and he will have a large role within this program. So at least they, they have plenty of options uh, in the outfield, I should say. Uh, transitioning to conference play beginning this weekend at Missouri, 7 Eastern, I believe, on, on Friday night. Maybe it's uh, 8 Eastern. Uh, I have the schedule right here in front of me. Forgive me for my improper podcast etiquette. It is seven p m. Eastern on Friday night, three p m. Eastern on Saturday, two p m. Eastern on Sunday. And it is going to be cold and windy and Como this weekend in Columbia, Missouri. I believe West told me earlier it's not going to get above thirty or something' not not going to get above 40 and had some lows in the 20s I'm like with, with 17 winds. yes so I, I will say this in advance if Tennessee looks awful this weekend let's not read too much into it because I think the weather can certainly have an impact in that but I, I do think it's a, a good test to to see where this Tennessee team is at because, again, they have not beaten a Power 5 team yet. They do have a bunch of new pieces. Missouri has played well to start the season, so I do think it will be a – I think it is the perfect opener to to start conference play this year. I I think the obvious thing that we want to see, Wes, is the the small details that we had a lengthy conversation about earlier, Uh, fielding, communication, picking up on signs, base running. Again, middle school things – like, I, obviously I am not a college baseball player, but I learned those things playing <laughs> AAU baseball, travel baseball in middle school. I, I, I did not. I was a military brat. I was an army brat. There there are some interesting middle schools on army bases, military bases throughout the country. Uh, and I went to one that was not very competitive from an athletic standpoint in, in any of the sports, football, basketball, baseball. And we learned not to do those things in middle school. So it's really not asking a ton. It has nothing to do with ability. And it's not like you have to be a Grant Williams or a Tobe Awaka getting into – or Josh Dobbs getting into an Ivy League school. Like it's really simple at the end of the day, some of these mistakes. So I think that's that's the easy what do you want to see this weekend. Can Can they correct those things? But what are some other things that you're interested in seeing this weekend? I, I know one of the things that I'm interested in seeing on top of, can they correct those small details? Which, if I'm being honest, can they do it this quickly? I'm, I'm kind of doubting them. I think that's a hard thing. I don't think that that's something that you, that you flip the switch. As easy and, and elementary level, middle school level mistakes, high school level mistakes as they are, like I, I, I in a sense you either have baseball iq or you, or you don't to to a certain extent but again i we'll we'll see if they can turn those things around um, but I'm interested to see Chase Dolander and Chase Burns and, and Drew Beam pitching this weather because I think that can have a drastic impact on on how this weekend goes. And, and obviously it gets very cold in Knoxville as well. It was in the 30s and 40s today when, when they were playing Lipscomb. That's why they moved the game up from 6.30 to, to 5 o'clock. But it, it's not going it, to – Knoxville weather is not what they've been pitching in like they are this weekend, and I, you would think that Columbia, Columbia pitchers, Missouri pitchers, would have a leg up in that sense.
0: Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of. It's interesting. I don't, I don't know how important it is, but when you think about some of the cities where they they play Major League Baseball. And what the weather is like in those cities for like the first month and last month of the season. I wonder if some of those teams are going to go back and look and this weekend and be like, "Huh, this is what Dolander did in the cold. This is what uh, Burns or Beam did in the cold." If we're in like Colorado, Chicago, New York, some of these places early in the season, Detroit, like this is what you're pitching in. So uh, you know you got to get used to this stuff. Uh, what I'm interested in more than anything this weekend, Ben, is I, I go back to. I don't know if grit is the right word. I think maybe energy is the right word because I talked about this a little bit earlier. I've talked about it before. Where Tennessee is, the program nationally, in terms of people knowing about it, people knowing the personalities, people wanting to beat this team's brains in, uh, you're going to get that on the road in a really cold, really windy environment against a team that has some confidence and a team that says, you know what, guys? We have a chance right now to turn this program around. We got the big bad Tennessee coming into our park to open SEC play in our weather, in our stadium. It's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable. They're not going to be happy and we're going to get them. We're going to get them. I guarantee you that's what Missouri is thinking. Whether it's right or not, we'll see. But I think you are going to get a lot of intensity from that Missouri team this weekend. And you're gonna be in their yard. It's not like a great stadium or they are gonna be a lot of people there. You know, when it's like in the 20s and 30s and the wind's blowing at 17 miles an hour, that's gonna be what I call a FAFO crowd. That's friends and family only. That's what that crowd is. Uh, you, you you ain't gonna get nothing but a FAFO crowd in that weather. But I will be interested to see. I don't think I'll make too much of it if this Tennessee team, you know, struggles a little bit. It doesn't go great this weekend. I'm not that concerned about that. I'm concerned about do they have fight in them because they are going to need it because Mizzou has a chance to make a statement, to turn their program around, opening weekend of SEC play, and get one or two big dubs. They're going to try for it. They're going to think they can do it. And in that weather, the wind's blowing around out there in the, in the field, 17 miles an hour or so the first couple of days. Weird things can happen. you got to focus you gotta do the little things in front of you and uh, you know, little things. Station to station baseball and you need to. If it pitches inside, it's not gonna feel comfortable. Don't mind taking it. Uh don't like to in that weather, but little things like that. Will you have intensity? Will you have little details? And will you be ready to fight? Because I think they're gonna have to in this series.
1: Yeah. You you, you summarized it perfectly. They they are going to to have to what well, what what is it that Dabo says and not not BYOB for for bring your own beer but or B or yeah your energy yeah BY BYOE bring your own energy. Uh, Missouri fans uh, are are a step above Vanderbilt. There's not as few as as there are Vanderbilt fans, but there's also I don't feel like Missouri is one of the loudest and proudest fan bases. Uh, in America, and I, I can think of one or two Missouri people that that are listening to this pod right now and and giving me the middle finger, and and you know who you are, and I apologize for for what I just said. Uh, I know those in St. Louis and and those around the state are, are very proud of their Cardinals. Shout out to Wes, big Cubs guy, um, which which is also funny. Shout out to to Tony V, who who is a uh, His dad's a huge Cubs fan. Yes, I think that is the most hilarious thing ever because Tony is from uh, St. Louis, and and I I will share a quick aside, and I don't think Tony will will mind me saying this, but uh, when he was done with his post-game media on Saturday and everybody was walking out, I I was kind of messing with him uh, a bit, and Talking about how big of a week it was for him going back home, and and he quickly cut me off and said, "Nah, brother, this this is home." So I know Tennessee fans will appreciate uh, that that he thinks Tennessee is is home. But uh,
0: this is also personal. This is personal for him, Ben. Let's not forget, Mizzou could have tried to hire him earlier. It didn't do it. Tony remembers that very well. People at Mizzou remember that very well. There were people, Scherzer, other people who were saying. I will give you money as a program if you hire this guy because he's good and he's going to win. And Mizzou didn't do it. Tennessee did it. And the rest has kind of been history. So Tony Vitello, for many reasons, does not want to go to Missouri and lose. He wants to go there and win every game by 10 runs if he could. That's it, This means a lot to him.
1: It, it certainly does. I don't think it means as much as it did in the early stages. Which, I mean, he's what, in year six. It's, it's still kind of early. Uh, and, and, it, it, Sorry, correct. But it, it does wear off after time, just like the Texas thing has rubbed off with Rick. Uh, and, and there's a UCF-Missouri comp- conversation with Heupel, right? Especially the Missouri one, because Tennessee does play Missouri. And I know he was just an OC, but it's still a conversation that is brought up every year when Tennessee plays Missouri. It, it, it'll wear off at some point. And I think it's starting to wear off for tony but tony has deep roots to missouri there's a reason that i i think the way that tony vitello likes to stick it to missouri at this point is by recruiting because you look through and i know recruiting rankings aren't everything especially in baseball um but you you look through the recruiting rankings and it's like number one player in the state of missouri going to tennessee number three going to and tennessee in and in kansas as well he he loves sticking it to to those schools that way. Um, but I, I know Tennessee fans will appreciate hearing that uh, Tony Vitello when I mess with him about going home this weekend and how big of a week it was for him, he said, nah, this is home. Th- this is, he quickly <laughs> responded to me uh, right in front of his dad, no less, and said, nah, bro, th- this, this is home. So I thought that was uh, a, a pretty cool comment. But y- you said it, Wes, and I was getting to, as I was getting to uh, before my ADHD kicked in Uh, (laughs) um but the the dabble sweeney bring your own energy that that's what tennessee is going to have to do this weekend uh they're going to have to bring their own energy because the weather is going to flat out suck there's one thing i don't miss about playing baseball and it's playing baseball in terrible weather playing baseball in the cold that you you want to know what hell is that's what hell is playing baseball or softball in the cold in the wind cold no that is <laughs> that is for the absolute birds and and, and that, that is what this weekend is going to be so they're going to have to bring their own energy from that standpoint uh, and then on top of that they're not playing at Arkansas they're, they're not playing at one of the Mississippi schools or Vanderbilt or it, really anybody in uh, else in the SEC I mean this is like a Kentucky weekend we we saw the atmosphere at Kentucky cost last year's Tennessee team. It'll be a very similar situation, but even worse. So uh, that that is a good point that you bring up. How do they handle the everything that's that's going on? Because they are truly going to have to bring their own energy and and motivate themselves. Because it's not going to be a fun weekend of baseball. Just from an environment standpoint, it's not an easy trip for most of their families to make, so I imagine there won't be a ton of of Tennessee representation outside of Tennessee fans within the area. Uh, so it, it is going to be a big test for them. And, again, I said it earlier, technically Missouri has done more against the better schedule than Tennessee has to this point. So I I, I think it's the, the perfect opening weekend for SEC play. And although Wes and I are in Orlando at the NCAA tournament, we will still have plenty of coverage this weekend up at GoVols247.com. If if I'm being completely honest, even if basketball basketball wasn't going on, this was not a game or series that – Wes or I was going to be at. And, but thank God we didn't have to make the decision. Correct. Thank God we didn't have to, to make the, the decision. Uh, so either, either way, we, we would have been covering this from the house. So Tennessee basketball does not play Friday one way or the other. We'll either be here in Orlando watching it on the television with the rest of you, or I guess streaming it on SEC Network Plus with the rest of you. Uh, Saturday could be interesting for that 3 p.m. first pitch because uh, we don't know a, if Tennessee is basketball is going to play on Saturday, and B, when will tip off uh, B. Uh, but even if the, the two times overlap, uh, Patrick Brown, as you saw tonight, is is gonna help us fill in and and Sunday. Do perfectly adequate work. Yes, perfectly adequate work, which is what Patrick Brown uh <laughs> does. That's what the P stands for, perfectly does. Yes, that's what the P.M. Patrick Brown stands for, perfectly adequate. And then hopefully for the sake of Tennessee fans, Wes and I are driving back to Knoxville on Sunday uh, and we'll be able to listen to the great John Wilkerson again. So we will be an interesting weekend from a coverage standpoint, but my point is that we will not lack coverage at GoBoss247.com, and we never will. I can promise you that and we will be back early next week whether Tennessee is going to the sweet 16 or not it's conference play which means it's it's full on baseball content time not that it's ever been lacking i take pride in our baseball content uh, especially for me personally was there before it was cool to cover the team and it will continue to be there long after it was I got cool, there when it was cool. <laughs> i i was you, you covered dave serrano a, a, a decent bit i did not cover rod del monaco but i did start with dave serrano as a student journalist so i've i've started from the bottom the the drake song that that's literally me and tony i started cover covering tony from the bottom and 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 now we're here so baseball coverage will never be lacking under my watch but we will be back for another pod another diamond vols podcast uh early next week on top of all the basketball coverage that i encourage you to check out over at go 247 Dot com. For West Rucker, I am Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols Podcast, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend.
0: There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 Podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Westrucker 24 7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 7 for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs and that's after a quick free trial And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That—that That is so much stuff, so much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff, less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs, so go to GoVols247.com